Our reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where's the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at his rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please pray with me? God of light and life, we feel your presence shine on us, and we pray that we might see by your light, that we might see a new world and be changed and shaped by your light that surrounds us. Amen. So this morning, we're celebrating the Feast of Epiphany. And uh, this is actually our third season of the church year. Of course, first came Advent, and Advent looks forward to the birth of the Messiah. Then there is Christmas, where we have 12 days to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And now we are in Epiphany. And, And this is a season that's all about the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think I learned, I first really understood uh, what Epiphany was about 10 years ago. I was working in a church, and uh, my friend Cabby Tennis gave a children's sermon, sort of like Emily's, uh, where he said that Epiphany is that aha moment, that moment where you understand something new. And that, from that point out, that sort of just helped me understand what Epiphany was. It it reminded me of those cartoons where a light bulb comes on above Bugs Bunny's head and you know that he's figured out how to fool Elmer Fudd. Well, epiphany is that realization, that awareness, that flash of light. So in the church, we call epiphany the season of light. And that, that sort of makes sense. Light 
helps us see what we couldn't see in the dark. And, and that, that's epiphany. But, but then, I don't know, a little while ago, a couple years ago, I read an article by Megan Feldmeyer who said that not all epiphanies are like the flip of a switch. Sometimes epiphanies arrive slowly after lots of work. Sometimes epiphanies are like going on a long hike to wait for sunrise. She suggested that epiphany is like climbing Mount Sinai. And that's probably why I remember this. It jumped out at me because I spent six years living in Egypt, and I have a distinct memory of the first time I climbed Mount Sinai. And and there are a few things to to know to help this make sense uh, about Mount Sinai. One is the, the hike up it is about five miles, and you climbed about like 7,500 feet. And the second thing to know is that you do it in the dark, so you can watch the sunrise from the top of the mountain. So I set off to do this the way that I was supposed to with my friend Walid and a random American guy I met in Arabic class, and, and we hired a taxi that drove us deep into the middle of the Sinai. In, in the middle of the night, we arrived at the base of the mountain at about 2 a.m., expecting the climb to take us about four hours. Sunrise was about 7. We thought it'd be perfect. And like that, we were off. The three of us, we were all in our early 20s. We were full of zeal, hustling up this narrow trail in the dark. Together, we climbed this this long set of stairs that wound up to the peak. And before we knew it, we were standing on the top of Mount Sinai, all alone at 4 a.m., three hours before the sun would rise. And as it turns out, it is really cold on the top of a mountain in the middle of the night. Like... Colder than you're thinking right now. Um, it was really cold. And we were a little bit nervous. So we're like, we got to do something about this. So we started looking around for cover. And we saw this big rock that sort of had a hole next to it. And we're like, oh, that maybe will block the wind, but we need something more. So we started scrounging around. We found this like dirty mat or like a carpet. And we thought, well, this will protect us from the cold, but it still wasn't enough. So we spent three hours spooning under a mat behind a rock on the top of Mount Sinai. And, and I can understand why this wouldn't seem like a, an ideal illustration for how God's revealed or like epiphanies in general. Uh, <laughs> epiphanies usually don't happen while spooning. I think that's just like a safe... A, a, a safe rule for your life. Um, But I think this fits with our story from Scripture, if I can go that far. Because every year, we look at this same story to celebrate Epiphany, the visit of the wise men. And the idea is that these wise men identify the Messiah, and they worship the Messiah. And in Epiphany, we identify Jesus as the Messiah, and we worship him. But the, the wise men's Epiphany isn't actually like the flip of a switch or a lightning strike. 
I think it's actually more like my hike up Mount Sinai. It's a journey that's filled with missteps and uncertainty. I mean, mean, the first detail that we get about these wise men is that they're lost. They arrive in Jerusalem not knowing where the new king has been born. They've been given a star, a light to guide them. But it's faint and it's distant, and their journey is long and uncertain. They end up only eight miles away from Bethlehem. They they got so close to their destination, but they don't know where they're going. And that isn't to say that the light was insufficient, just that it wasn't like a flip of the switch that made everything clear and obvious. It was more like a slow, faint burn that, that kept them going when they didn't actually know where they were. And, and to me, that, that actually feels uh, a lot like my experience of how God is revealed, about how I learn about God, that it, it isn't, like sometimes it's a burst or a flash, but usually it's slow and gradual. Usually, understanding God's truth in our life takes time, takes patience, We often have to wait as we slowly learn the ways of God. And then when we get that clarity, it's not always what we expect. After uh, three really miserable hours spooning behind some rock trying to stay warm on on the top of Sinai, we three uh, unwise men finally began to hear a crowd form. We, we could sense this, this glow in the sky, so we got up to, to watch the sunrise. And finally, after, after waiting for the sun to come peeking on the horizon, what we saw surprised us. Like, not the actual sun. We all know what the sun looks like. But what the sun revealed. There was a huge group of Korean pilgrims with hymnals. And as the sun rose, they sang uh, hymns. And and there were all kinds of folks on the top of that mountain. Tourists from Africa and Europe, pilgrims and truth seekers. There was was even a guy who was standing right next to those uh, Korean pilgrims. Uh, They sang hymns while he smoked his joint. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't this. And as, again, as ridiculous as that might sound, I think the scene in the manger had a little bit of this same vibe. Because, uh, you know, like when, when the sun rose on Sinai, I thought, what in the world is going on? Which is what I think like a passerby would have thought if they stuck their head in the manger. Like, what in the world is going on in there? Because these wise men uh, are actually magi. And and magi are priests from the Persian religion Zoroastrianism. And, And Zoroastrianism has a lot of similarities to Judaism and Christianity. Like, uh, they've got a 
a, a Messiah who's born of a virgin. But Zoroastrian priests studied the stars. And in Judaism, this was against the law. Both uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus have laws that forbid, they usually call it divination, and a variety of the practices that are associated with the Magi. So, yeah, foreign priests from a strange religion would have been probably like the last people any would have, would have expected to identify the Messiah. But that's who was there. And I think it's often outsiders who understand what's going on far more clearly than insiders. And that's actually a bit of a theme throughout the Bible, where people outside the Christian faith and the, and the Jewish faith reveal that the ways that God is being made real in the world. And these, these wise men don't just reveal, they don't just identify or recognize the Messiah. They're changed by meeting Jesus. On the way to Bethlehem, the wise men meet Herod, who orders them, you know, report back and tell me all the details about this new king. And the, the text, the scripture, leads us to believe that the wise men were happy to report back. But then when they saw the child, when they heard from God, something changed inside them. They disobeyed this king and returned home by another way so Herod wouldn't find out the location of the child. There is something about that experience that changed them and gave them the courage to risk their safety by defying this notoriously brutal king. Maybe that's what makes it an epiphany when we, when we see a new reality and we embrace that reality. It, it has to be more than just like new information. Because, you know, Herod received the same information as the Magi. And Herod was a Jew. He should have been thrilled to learn that the Messiah was born. He actually, he was obsessed with being loved. And this is a thing that may have made him loved. But the information didn't change him. It just made him more afraid, more paranoid, and more cruel. Right after that, our scripture passage finishes, like right the next few verses, talk about what's called the slaughter of the innocents, where Herod uh, makes a law that, that children are to be killed. And, and we actually don't have any historic evidence that that took place. We recorded that an order was given. We don't have any evidence that it happened. But the first century, but a lot of scholars know that Herod lived the rest of his life out of paranoia and fear. The, the first century historian Josephus wrote that Herod was so paranoid about like not being seen as a great king that he gave an order that when he died that this large group of important men from all over the country should be killed because he wanted the country to grieve so it would look like they were grieving him. And that's paranoia. 
And fortunately, after his death, his son and his sister refused this violent command. Sometimes new knowledge doesn't change us at all. This could have been an epiphany for Herod. But instead it just made him scared and mean. And sometimes the same thing can happen to us. Or sometimes it just takes a long time. Epiphanies provide light. And sometimes it takes us a while to see clearly. Like, my my journey down Sinai was, was really different than the dark climb. For one, we could see the trail. But more importantly... We could see what lay around us. There were these beautiful, craggy mountains. And and it was a totally different height filled with light. And and I want to, like, came to be a lot more profound than I was. I was not having this, like, beautiful, reflective moment. I was mainly thinking, I will never climb Sinai again in the dark. (laughs) I climbed it a couple more times, never again in the dark. But... I've told this story a number of times since it happened. And the more I've told it, the more I've learned. The beauty of that moment has revealed itself slowly and changed me. So now my my Sinai epiphany is more about how I've been changed by reflecting on that moment. It took a while. I imagine it took a lot of that journey home for the wise men to start making sense of the joy they'd felt. And it probably took years after that for them to comprehend what they'd experienced. Emily Dickinson, the poet, wrote that the truth must dazzle gradually or else everyone would be blind. It takes time to see that gradual light growing. I'm sure it took the Magi time, and I think it usually takes us time. I was recently chatting with a friend who shared about their epiphany that they needed to like change their relationship with alcohol. And it was a long, slow reveal even though all the information was there from the beginning. Like it started with comments from friends. A couple years later, they were ready to ask if, if they might have a problem, which actually they came to the conclusion, you know what, I'm not an alcoholic. Their drinking wasn't out of control and didn't like totally damage their life, but they knew they were consuming more alcohol than was good for them. So for years, they said they thought, you know, something like, I should really drink less. I will make that change, Eh, just not right now. Then, maybe after almost 10 years, they realized they drank too much, they gave themselves some rules, they changed their habits, and now they have a moderate relationship with alcohol where they can have a drink and they very rarely get drunk. And I share that story because they said I could. And because this is often how epiphanies unfold in our life. 
They can be slow. They can turn things upside down and and send us on a whole new road. Sometimes that road can be really tough, but it leads ultimately to joy and life. That's the nature of God's life, or God's light. It leads to joy and life. And this, this is what Epiphany is. I mean, yes, today, on the Feast of Epiphany, we celebrate the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. But that takes so many different forms in our lives. Sometimes we're given these amazing moments of clarity. And sometimes we get stars to follow with light that dazzles gradually so that we can keep learning for decades. Sometimes our epiphanies aren't about Jesus or baby Jesus, but love itself. We realize that we're in love, or maybe even more powerfully, we realize that we are loved for who we really are, not because we act like the post-person that we're told we're supposed to be. Or we discover we don't have to keep doing what we've been doing. There are new possibilities we never imagined. Or like, like my cold morning up on Sinai, we realize that friends are essential for our survival and our traveling companions up the mountain are far more diverse and weird than we ever would have guessed. And that God and God's world is bigger and more amazing than we ever could have dreamt. We don't, we don't make epiphanies happen any more than the magi or the wise men made the star appear. Epiphany is a gift, but it's a gift we have to receive. That's the only thing we can do, is be open, watching the stars, following their light, turning away from fear and towards the light, even when it's faint and far off, because no matter what, the light shines. It's never stopped, and it never will. And sometimes, by, by amazing grace, our eyes are opened, and we can see clearly that God is in our midst, inviting us to a journey down a road of life. Amen.